0: Today, we're talking about creating a photo book with Photo Cascadia, and you're listening to the Landscape Photography Podcast. <music> Greetings, everybody. You might be watching or listening to this week's episode. We just got done having an interview with the Photo Cascadia team, or at least four of the seven of Photo Cascadia. I just got done talking to David Cobb, Sean Bagshaw, Kevin McNeil, and Aaron Bobnick, and we talked about their new book, Washington Evergreen. So their new book is just about to come out. And we talked about the importance of having a, a photo project that help keep you motivated, as well as what goes into creating a photo book like this. If you're interested in someday creating a photo book of your own, you might find this episode interesting. And if you're just a fan of photography, you might find this week's episode interesting. Hopefully you do. Uh, Let's jump into the conversation that I just had with David Cobb, Kevin McNeil, Sean Bagshaw, and Aaron Bobnick about their new book, Washington Evergreen. I am sitting down with Photo Cascadia. Well, like four of them anyway. So we got Aaron Bobnick, we have David Cobb, we have Kevin McNeil, and we have Sean Bagshaw. I've been looking forward to having you guys on. It's good to talk to you guys.
1: Great to be
2: okay. here. Awesome to be here, Nick.
0: So, the reason that we're having you on currently is that you have a new book coming out. Aaron, maybe you can you know, talk a little bit about what the new book is and, yeah, and when bet. it's going to be out and stuff. Oh.
1: This is a follow-up in a series that started with this one, which is Oregon, My Oregon, Land of Natural Wonders. Timber Press approached (laughs) us about doing this book with the idea that if this went well, we might also do one on Washington State. So that's what happened. And the new one, Washington Evergreen, is just about to be released to bookstores everywhere. And we're super excited about it. It's basically... um, a uh, massive project that pulled together all of the team's photos and we are super excited to see it come out.
0: So Aaron, you just sent me a PDF of it and the images inside are incredible as you would expect. Most people when they put together photo books, they're doing it as kind of a solo thing. You know, they're put they're putting all their own images in it. But you guys as a team, there's seven in Photo Cascadia, correct? 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 Um, it has to be a little bit different to do this as a collaborative effort. Uh, Sean, what are some of the, I guess, benefits and and hurdles you have to jump over to do this as kind of a, a joint effort?
2: Well, I guess the the benefits of doing it as a team the way we are is just that we have such a big body of work to draw from and lots of photographers. So when you're doing a book on an entire state, Uh, that's a lot of photos and that's a lot of areas, you know, a lot of people would go to, you know, maybe a handful of well-known locations in a state, or maybe if they live in that state, maybe in their local area, but to really have the kind of, um, depth and breadth of covering an entire state, it's a, it's a big project. So having seven of us who have photographed in Washington for some of us, almost two decades, really gave us a big body of work to draw from to start with. And then also um, it also made it when we're filling in the gaps of areas that we still needed more coverage of, we could kind of divide and conquer and send people out to different parts of the state as well. So those are the benefits and, and also a benefit of, you know, when we're, we're working together as a team photo Cascadia, we just, we, we've, we've gelled well for over a decade now we work together well. So we have fun on these kinds of projects. Challenges is, um, I think for us, probably the biggest thing is just the coordination of trying to coordinate seven people who are all over different parts of the world and going different directions and have different things going on in their lives and their own businesses all the time. So trying to create that coordination can be a little bit tricky, but we've developed some pretty good systems for that over the years.
0: One of the things that I appreciated about the book, especially as an Eastern Washington guy, is that there was some areas that are not as heavily photographed in the book. I might have been your image, Sean, but there was one of the Grand Ronde um, area that is, you know, never gets the love that you know a lot of the western part of the state gets. I really appreciated how how uh, diverse the images were. There was a lot of central Washington, which is not an easy part of the state to photograph. In fact, sometimes it can be downright ugly, (laughs) let alone not being super photogenic, but it's kind of rough to photograph. Um, How did you guys each go about deciding which images end up in a book like this? Maybe we'll direct this one at you, David. How did you go back through your catalog and decide which images make it and which images did not?
3: Well, a lot of us had images from the popular areas, like Olympic National Park, Rainier National Park, Mount St. Helens, and the Palouse, obviously. And so we pooled our images together, and we had a rule that you can only have seven images from those popular places, because we knew that we each had a million. And so we had to narrow it down right off the bat with those places. And once we got a pool together, then we could say, okay, here's the holes that we need, we have, and here's where we can fill it in. And here's our game plan for attack and how to photograph these areas. And then we just kind of called each other and said, hey, I'm going this place this time. Do you want to join me? And then we just had fun and got together and shot those places and, and photographed in, in lesser known areas and got to stay in Sean's nice uh, van so that was always fun too and uh you know just kind of had our marching orders at that point and from there we pulled all our images and then the publisher came in and they were the final curation so it was nice not to have us curate the final images because then it's like saying giving away your, your favorite kid or something like that so it, it that that part's tough so the publisher took it out of our hands and put it into their hands and that made it a lot easier
2: kind of follow up on what you said nick about some of the parts of washington that are less well known and that was a really fun part of that whole process for me and i know uh david and adrian uh spent quite a bit of time and zach too i think were the main ones that kind of went out into those kind of central and eastern washington locations that uh, i think a lot of people don't know about one of the things that was really exciting for me to see out there or and interesting was Oregon, which a lot of us from Oregon, Eastern Oregon is very, uh, a lot of just open country. Eastern Washington, I was surprised, and I traveled in Eastern Washington, I was surprised to see just how developed it is. I mean, there's a lot of agriculture, there's a lot of private land. Um, and the places where that are more kind of uh, wild and, and photogenic for landscape photography are these little pockets or islands kind of isolated out there. And I think I realized that you guys have so much more water in the east part of the state than we do with all the big rivers, you know, Snake River and the Columbia River and the Grand Ron and uh, the Ponderay and all those big rivers that run through there. You've got water for development and agriculture and that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's you can't just drive into eastern Washington and find those photogenic landscapes like you can in Oregon. But when we did find them and kind of research where they were and got to them, really interesting little pockets out there in that part of the state.
0: Yeah, and it's really fun as a photographer to photograph those areas because they're really areas that are not photographed often at all. And so they, you know, it's not easy to do online research, but when you can go out and, you know, drive on these back roads and not see another car for hours at a time, it's it's really fun as a photographer because you know that you're creating work that has probably not been created, you know, before as opposed to going to a popular overlook somewhere maybe on the western part of the state simply just because it's, you know, it's heavily populated. More often than not, somebody has already taken that shot, but in eastern Washington, there's just not a lot of photography done other than the popular places like the Steptoe Buttes and the Palouse Falls and, you know, areas of the Palouse region that get do get a lot of photographers rolling through. Um, <clears throat> so one of the things I'm curious of is when you have a project like this, but you also have such a huge back catalog of images like a lot of you do, how much of this book was... You know, repre- how much of it came from the back catalog, and how much of it had to be, you know, stuff that was shot specifically for the project. Maybe we'll ask that to you, Kevin.
4: That's a <clears throat> good question you asked me because uh, I happen to have a really back, back, back catalog, and I haven't done a whole lot except for the main areas because I've been doing a lot of workshop of the main areas. So my back catalog of some of the more, uh, you know, least seen areas were from. 10, 12, 14 years ago, and processing and everything was so much different then. And so um, that was definitely an issue and still an issue for me all this day, because my big body of work, the good work is actually 12 years, 14 years old. And sometimes that's outdated, the the image of the, the processing looks outdated. And, you know, you just can't go back and reprocess everything. So again, that is that is that was something I struggled with and I still struggle with all the time. Is that is that the images that I that are well known, the ones that I have known for, are very old. So it looks almost you know it's got that HDR-ish look and and stuff and you know it's not as bad as the flicker days of where everything was purple, but <laughs> you, you, yeah, definitely <laughs> that that I struggle with that probably a lot and I know yeah so that's a good question.
2: Yeah, definitely and Kevin's. Some- Kevin's uh, catalog, you know, Kevin lives in Washington. He's one of uh, the two Photo Cascadia members that live in Washington. And Kevin is prolific. So he really carried a lot of this project because he had photographs for years and from places that uh, we didn't even know about, that Kevin knows about because he lives there and he's out photographing so much. But I think uh, probably uh, in response to like how much of this came from the archives, our Photo Cascadia archives, I want to say probably 80% uh, of the images were images that we had already taken before we started this project. And that's just off the top of my head. And then um, the rest of them, we were able to go out and create new imagery specifically for the book. But that's one, again, the strengths of having this group that we have seven of us and that we've been doing this for so long is to have that sort of backlog, because otherwise to do a whole book of this magnitude on one state uh, from scratch, if you didn't have some of that backlog would, would be a many years long project. We've spent you know 15 years gathering these photos and to just go out like over the course of a single year and try to really get the coverage as comprehensive and also with all the varying conditions and atmosphere and light and mm-hmm. seasons and all of that stuff you really couldn't accomplish that in a short time frame
0: there has to be a, a pretty big benefit to having some kind of project like this you know that you're looking forward to and you like you have a good solid purpose to go out and do photography rather than because i like it <laughs> you know and that, that's one of the struggles that i'm constantly going through myself is like You know, I know that I'm capable of taking a pretty picture once in a while, but I start to ask myself, but why do I take pretty pictures? And that's a much more difficult, you know, question to answer. And it's a, it can turn into a bit of a block for myself. But I think that, you know, having a project like this has to have some major motivational benefits to, you know, to wanting to be motivated to get out and to go shoot because you you know, you have a good solid reason to, right?
3: Totally. Um, I think I, I actually wrote a book, Photo Cascadia blog on having a project and what that means. And a big part for me is it just gives me direction. It gives me a purpose and gives me a direction with my photography, knowing that there's a chance that these photos will be published and that's something to work for. And, and I enjoy that. Um, so I, I give myself self projects like photographing ghost towns in the west of the Mississippi or photographing Idaho or photographing Montana and I just use those projects to uh, fill in holes for a state or just to have to, to get out there and have fun and to backpack and for the Washington project it was fun because I just always wanted to go to the Poseidon wilderness which is in the eastern part of the state that borders Canada and to go back there with the camera it was. It's fabulous. You know, it's like the North Cascades in a way, but it's in the east. So there's just a lot of different flora and fauna that live there, and the mountains are spectacular, and it was just fun to be there. And I got snowed on, so that was kind of cool, too.
1: The excitement of doing a project oftentimes ex- extends way beyond that impetus and motivation to actually go out and create more content. I think that part of the big excitement for us was revisiting what we had and taking a look at it as a whole and that self curation that process that we went through and and the discovery rediscovery of of moments that we'd had before. And that that's pretty exciting to get that material and shape it into something is, I think, just as exciting as actually trying to go out and create new stuff. Because, you know, we are kind of always doing that. I don't think any of us really needs a project for that kind of motivation. We love getting out and shooting. But you kind of do need a project to get into those old photos and really see what you've got there and what you can make of it in a way that other people can enjoy them, you know, as a body of work.
0: It's something that I've kind of discovered for myself lately is that the the more very specific constraints you give yourself, there's something liberating in that. And that's not something I ever really, you know, never really dawned on me before, but the more specific your your constraints are, the 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 more it frees you up to um I don't know, more happily work within them. Sometimes when you have it's kind of like bear with me here. It's kind of like when you get on Netflix looking for something, anything to watch and you are just bombarded with options and you end up just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and nothing looks good because you have too many options. It's kind of like that for me sometimes where you know I have too many options, but as soon as I give myself a set of constraints to work within, then suddenly, I'm happy again, and I'm creative again, and it's very strange that something limiting can also be liberating if that makes sense um, so so when you guys decide which images are going to make it into a book or a project, do you go back and try to reprocess them with with your current set of skills, or are you just going back and doing little tweaks where you know it makes it uh, you know sharpening for print or something like that? Are you just getting it ready for print or are you actually going back and starting from the original source files and reprocessing them with new eyes? How about you, Sean?
2: I think that my older photos, I mean, probably varied. I think I looked at some of my older images and felt like, oh yeah, that, that looks great to me still and there's not a lot that I can improve on that, so that's good to go. But I definitely found, I would say, probably the majority of my images I thought the older ones would benefit from uh, reworking and starting over from from kind of from scratch. And um, yeah, and as we know, as as capabilities improve and as technology improves and all of that, uh, I, I have a better capability of creating an image I really like now than you know, some of the stuff I did 10 or 12 years ago. So yeah, re-editing was a big part of that process. And that was, that was fun to do as well, to go back and revisit some images that I really hadn't considered for a long time. And then to look at them with fresh eyes and it's just something I never probably would have done otherwise. Uh, and then also even just looking at images that I had never developed, you know, cause I had these raw files sitting there that I photographed and never really had a you know, a a sense of them or a connection to them or a reason to use them. But now in the context of a book like this and a collection like this, I also all of a sudden had a reason. And so I actually worked up many images that I'd never even touched before. So that was great as well.
1: How about the rest of you? Go ahead, Erin. Yeah, I was just going to say I'm kind of notorious for being probably overly selective (laughs) about what I process and release. And this project did force me to kind of go back and drag out something. for <laughs> And I'm glad I did because, you know, it was one of those sitting there just asking to be processed, but I, I just moved on and forgot about it. And now it's out there. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So obviously this is not your first book that you've worked on together. You also have done Oregon, my Oregon. Um, were there any like things that you learned from doing the first book that went into helping with this second book like obviously you know uh, something of this magnitude there's always going to be those things that you learn along the way was there anything that you learned from creating the first book that helped you in creating the second book
3: i think working with a publisher was a little bit easier with a second book because it was new to a lot of us and the publisher was new to us so what their Interests were um, what their deadlines were and working on those schedules that they had set. So the second time around I think we We had a track record with them and we knew what to expect and what our timeline probably would be So I think we were just more prepared the second time around
2: than we were the first time It was definitely nice also that you know, these two books are two books in a series So they're the same format and layout and design. So we didn't have to do too much decision-making around, you know, what would be the format of the book and what would it look like? We just had to get the images together. And a lot of those decisions had already been made with the Oregon book. We just applied them to the Washington book. And a lot of those decisions were made by the publisher anyway, but it was just nice, you know, it was a really familiar landscape to be working in because we'd already done it once.
1: Yeah, I was just going to add that Timber Press, being as good as they are, the top probably in in their field for those types of books as a publisher, they are just extremely easy to work with. They're very organized, everything went really smooth, and so I, I felt like both of the projects went very smoothly and there wasn't a huge difference in the second one, largely due to the way that their guidance was just so clear and organized, which really helped us.
0: When you're going back and you're reprocessing an image that you know is going to make it into the into this book, um, you know, for those that don't print a whole lot, what what kinds of different things are you doing when you're processing an image that you know is going to print as opposed to going to be displayed on the web? Um, Maybe, Sean, I know you have a tutorial on the subject. (laughs) So maybe you can talk a little bit about what are some of the things that you're likely to do different in an image that is going straight to print?
2: Well, and that that is a good question. And I think (laughs) it's a little bit different here. So definitely, you know, when we're printing to, uh, you know, print our images to um, large photo prints or on canvas or whatever kind of of fine art printing that we're doing, there's definitely a process to that. This was a very different thing. I mean, I think maybe if we were doing self-publishing, then we would have been responsible for a lot more of that. But working with a, a publisher and especially one of Timber Press's caliber, they have people for all that. So they really just wanted us to deliver our files, you know, our our edited files, our finished images. But then in terms of the type of printing, which I assume is some sort of offset printing that they're using and their printer that they use, which is I think overseas somewhere and their photo editors and all that, they did all of that work. So um, in this situation, that made that really easy for us, I guess, is that we didn't have to worry about prepping these images specifically for the book output.
0: That's actually really interesting. That was one of my questions would be like, what's the difference between sending something to be printed, you know, 40 by 60 versus something in in the size of a, you know, a photo book? I would imagine you could be a little bit more aggressive with sharpening and things like that just because it's being displayed a little smaller that's fascinating that the publisher would actually help take care of that. That's, that's really nice.
2: that's you know they're they're publishing books all the time and they have people that that's their profession and that's their you know that's their area and they also know the printers that they work with that have all these various specifications and those are all things that you know photographers probably unless you're like like i said self-publishing your own book don't have an opportunity to work in those modes and so it would be probably difficult it'd be a lot of trial and error there to do um but I think the process on their end is still fairly similar to what you would do printing your own prints. There's still going to be um, you know, printer and paper profiles that will determine how to take the, the digital image and convert that to what the printer is going to print and then how to do soft proofing and deciding on things like sharpening and brightness and contrast and all of those kinds of things so that what's reproduced on that particular print medium, in this case, in the book paper, uh, is as good. Close to the original as it can be, so I'm I'm sure that that process is all there for them, which is going to look similar to what we do printing our photos as photographers, you know, as big prints.
0: So I'm sure that we have a lot of people listening that you know aspire to create something like this for themselves someday. Um, maybe we can go kind of one by one and give a, a piece of advice for people that are kind of thinking about sometime someday, you know, maybe way down the road creating a photo book of their own or maybe working towards a project like this, David, what kind of advice would you have for someone that's, you know, aspiring to do something like this someday?
3: Well, I think when you go out to photograph, um, publishers don't always want red sky. They want a variety of skies. They want morning sky. They want a great sunset, but some blue sky stuff mixed in too. And they don't always want the grand landscape. They want the medium sized landscape and the smaller scene, or even the macro scene, to just kind of mix things up and uh, include those in the book, too. So, if you are interested in a book like this, a little bit of variety in your shooting is always helpful.
0: How about you, Aaron? Do you have any advice for someone kind of working towards a goal like that?
1: Uh, Well, you know, it's interesting for. For us, this came, this dropped in our lap, literally. Timber Press approached us with the idea. So it's not like we came up with that idea to begin with. But I would say that if uh, anyone is interested in starting the process on their own, that a a good good way to start really is to look at threads in your work that you can develop further and something that's going to be really fun for you so that it evolves organically out of what you do already, rather than making it into something that seems so daunting that you'll never take the right steps to get towards the finish line, just because it just seems kind of overwhelming Uh, for us. It was just easy because Timber Press came to us with this. I pitched us this idea. We were excited. We jumped on it. We already had, like Sean said, maybe 80% of the images for this book and maybe more for, for Oregon. Um, but if you're if you're starting from scratch, you know, let it evolve organically out of what it is that excites you and what's fun for you.
4: I think you have to, as as mentioned before, you have to photograph something that you enjoy. Um, you can't start guessing what people will like. I think it has to be something, something that you really, that's special to you. You have your story and you have to tell the world that story. And I think that story comes through with pictures, but if you're thinking and trying to guess what other people will like, you'll never win. So it has to be something that you really, really enjoy and it doesn't have to necessarily be all the iconic places, but it doesn't have to be, has to be something that means something to you and makes you definitely makes you unique. And I think if you tell your story that will come out on the pages. I think
2: yeah for a book project deciding you know what kind of book it is that you're interested in doing um of course i think all of us would like to have kind of a you know, here's Sean Bagshaw's best photos of his life all in one book. And um, I would love to have a Sean Bagshaw best photos book, but I don't know that anybody else does. And I don't know how many publishers think, hey, that's a hot item. Everybody's looking for that book. Um, and so, but, there, but but I'm not saying that's not a worthwhile project to do, but I think in a lot of cases, getting a you know, unless you're an art wolf or, you know, somebody with a a big name to get a publisher on board, something like that might be a little difficult. So that's where maybe thinking more towards self-publishing. And I know a lot of our friends and colleagues have self-published their own kind of portfolio photo books, which are beautiful. And I own many of them and I love them, but I think that's a lot of times it'd be hard to attract a publisher if you're looking to attract a publisher because publishing your own book is a lot of money and a huge amount of work. Having a publisher involved means that they're upfronting the costs. They're taking care of marketing and distribution and, you know, they're getting it out into all the bookstores and the online booksellers and doing all of that stuff, which is great. Uh, but for them, it has to be, this is a book that we think, You know is something that we can actually market and sell and so that's you know having a theme this idea of taking states a whole book on just Oregon or a whole book on just Washington or David has published uh, a couple of his own books on gardens Japanese gardens and other types of gardens and so that's this kind of real um, kind of specific theme that has an interest group so if you're looking for a publisher maybe kind of going along and thinking on those terms of what would be not just interest to me, but what would be an interest to a bigger audience? And I don't know, maybe David has some ideas to put in there since he's the one who's actually done more of that.
3: Yeah, well, those the Japanese garden books were through Tuttle Publishing, which is a, a publisher in Vermont. And uh, it was something they were interested in, they liked my photos. And I had an idea and pitched it to them. So going to a publisher and pitching an idea is something you can work on. So if you think you've got an idea, you think you have a niche, you think a publisher might be interesting, interested in it, then approach them, have a meeting, call them up. They're, they're always approachable. And, uh, they're always, you know, just, just like the internet is always interested in content. Well, publishers are interested in content too, and they are interested in publishing books. So if you've got a good idea, Let them know about it and they may take you up on that. That's what I do with the Japanese garden books.
2: I also think another smart thing that you did, David, is you um, associated yourself with a a well-known author in that area of Japanese gardens. And so that was another part of the attraction. This was, so, you know, we're for the most part photographers. Some of us are better writers than others, but we're generally uh, as a group, not authors, we're photographers. Um, so to find someone, if you want text with your book, to find someone, if you're not an author, find an author. And David found an author who already had published his own books and was known in the, uh, in the Japanese garden kind of genre. And once he had him on board as part of the package, that I think probably made it just even that much more attractive to the publisher. Uh, and also for these two books, for the Oregon and Washington books, we were able to find, even though they're not um, really long based textbooks. So it's just about the images. They're picture books. But we do have very lengthy forwards in both of them written by well-known authors as well. And so just having those forwards combined with these well-known authors, I think really helps sell the book um, and make it appealing not only to book buyers, but also to publishers. So finding somebody like that to partner with could be a good idea.
0: Yeah, and I think to kind of add on is that uh, a person should also keep in mind the scope of what they're attempting to cover. You know, PhotoCascadia is a group of seven photographers with massive back catalogs. And for that reason, you, you were able to pull off entire regions. You know, Washington and Oregon, that's a huge amount of land you covered, and it's a huge amount of very photogenic areas. You know, if it was a single person, that would be way harder to cover. So I think a little piece of advice that I would give is to maybe focus on a smaller region or a smaller category or whatever it is to keep, to keep the scope small enough to where it's, you know, it, it's, it's doable. It's not overwhelming. And, you know, maybe it's a region that hasn't been done to death. You know, I've often thought about doing one where I'm like the Oregon coast. And then I think about all of the Oregon coast Im- books and images that are out there. Like it would, it would be pretty redundant if I did something like that. And for that reason, I think, you know, if I was to do it, I would focus on my own little region that hasn't been photographed add nearly as much. And it would be very smaller in scope, but because it's smaller in scope, it would represent a larger portion of the, the amount of photography that's out there from that region, if that makes sense. So just keeping the scope a little bit smaller, I think would help keep it from being quite so daunting. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So where can people find the book and when will it be out? It will be out.
3: Uh, it's released October 22nd, 2025 October 25th, 2022. And it can be found in any bookstore. Uh, it's got major distribution, so it can be found on Amazon if you want to buy it there. It can be found at your found at your local bookstore, or if there's chain bookstores like Borders where they exist, or Barnes, Noble, Barnes and exist. Noble. Barnes and Noble, yeah, then it can be found there too.
2: Powell's Books a Million you name it. And we always encourage people also to go to your local bookseller, support your local (laughs) bookstore in the town you live and go see if they have it, buy it from them. And if they don't have it, ask them if they'll order it for you.
0: And as I've said before, I have the Oregon, my Oregon, it's a beautiful book. It's really well put together. And I've seen the images that are in the Washington book and they are beautiful and inspiring. And I'll also mention that the photo Cascadia website and blog has so many great resources and you know just great stuff for photography enthusiasts so i highly recommend you go and check out the Photo Cascadia website thank you guys so much for coming on it's always good to chat with you guys we'll have you on again and uh it's it's been good thank you guys
1: thank you nick thanks
2: nick this is awesome we really appreciate it and uh we, uh, we, we look forward to your book.
0: Whatever <laughs> <laughs> that'll be. <laughs> I, I need to figure out what my book will be about before I ever have a book. Someday. Someday I will. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for watching or listening. And we'll catch you guys next time. Take it easy, everybody.